Hey y'all, welcome to Who All Gonna Be There, a podcast by artists for artists. We talk cash shit about everything, and sometimes we get messy, and it all counts as art because we say so. I'm Mel, I'm black, and a woman, and an artist, so you know what that means, I'm practically invisible and everyone expects me to do all the work. This week, I'm head of Nicki Minaj's missing public relations team, a fiscal sniper of celebrities who speak ill of Lizzo, and I also host free workshops teaching black folks how to gatekeep AAVE through code switching and misinformation. Hell yeah, Melanie. Yo, what's up? It's Maximiliano. Back, back in the booth. Excited for today. Ready to tear it up. Happy 2020. Falls here. How to support Nat Turner Project. Nat Turner Project has a Patreon page where we have exclusive podcast episodes which are only available behind the paywall so we get extra messy buy our stuff on etsy subscribe to us on itunes and leave a review hopefully a good one but whatever follow us on soundcloud youtube stitcher facebook instagram links in the show notes also if you have an arts related question if you have a life related question if you have a human related question and especially if you have a love related question email us at nat turner project zero at gmail.com and we will read it live on the air and we will do our very best to answer it and give you the advice you need all right so we are back from our summer long hiatus uh thanks for your patience we were out there living our best hot artist summer lives (laughs) it's hot it was really hot in Portland. It was literally very hot, y'all. And I don't have AC, so it was rough. <laughs> but anyway, um, I don't know if you heard, but we're back um, in a brand new studio, and we have a guest with us, Garima. Hey, Garima. Hello. Um, Garima Thakur is a friend, interdisciplinary artist, designer, and educator who is all over the place. She was raised during the 80s and 90s, shout out to the 80s and 90s, in New Delhi, India, a country forever recovering from a colonial hangover, teetering between an aspirational Western identity and a nationalistic one. To help soothe the hangover, she moved to the United States in 2008. Over the last 14 years, she has merged installation, video, code, and text to make the bureaucratic structures of immigration visible and critique the alienation they impart. She looks up to black feminism as a way to crack open the problems of Indian respectability politics and more deeply understand gender, sexuality, and queerness in her practice. She loves to share meals together and wishes you would hit her up for some snacks. Her work has received support from organizations like the Ford Family Foundation, the Oregon Arts Commission, COJ, and the Regional Arts and Culture Council. Welcome, Grima. Thank you. That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and hopefully we'll get to talk about some of it. But the first question we asked, the first question that we have been asking since, you know, March of 2020 is, how are you? How are you doing? How are you coping? How am I? Uh, uh, I think uh, it's hard to say that in one word. Um, I'm okay overall. Uh, 2020, 2021, 2022 has been brutal. Also, in some ways, um, time, uh, the privilege of time that I felt um, and not did not feel, you know, it was just like, wow, it was a lot, um, a lot of debts uh, looking for oxygen cylinders overseas. And um, 
yeah so i'm doing like all the things like i'm feeling all the things but also like doing okay mm. you know mm-hmm. yeah how about you oh um me i feel like i'm just kind of coming out of the fugue mm-hmm. of 2020 mm-hmm. i don't hear anything say stuff my levels are they showing up hello hello say stuff 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 i can hear you okay all right yeah um yeah i feel like i'm still like i'm finally starting to come out of it Mm -hmm. i think i self-medicated a lot on Mm -hmm. just like numbness oh yeah um over the past three years um and i'm just now starting to get to the point where i'm letting myself feel things Mm -hmm. um which is nice but also scary yeah so yeah thanks how about you max um yeah these last three years have been really crazy um i feel like a lot of life has happened so i can't even think about what all has happened um Mm -hmm. but yeah like a lot of life has happened but i do feel really like fortunate and grateful for where i am and the people around me um Mm -hmm. but yeah i definitely feel that about like loss and stuff and um that wanting you to like be closer to like people you love and like care about and um reprioritizing and because it also feels like the world is ending, so like prior like ambitions feel like less important, and it feels more like people feel more and more important. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Thanks for saying that. Melanie took my first question. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I was like, "How are you all doing?" <laughs> You are described on various platforms that we researched as an interdisciplinary artist. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you and to your practice? Hmm. I think in a literal sense, it means moving between disciplines that are named a lot of times by academia. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I studied graphic design. I worked in advertising for... Um, a long time and then I did a lot of freelance design UI design and I started making art I think five years ago or something so like I feel like it's so much more informed by other things I don't have a um, in design I was really much like questioned how is this design Mm -hmm. and I think in art I was questioned like how is this art or something so I feel like we all move between different disciplines and wondering if they're disciplines so I think that's what it means to me um I don't know what it means in an outworldly way you know like what what do people perceive when it's said interdisciplinary I feel like the disciplines enter into each other or something for me you said you got into art five years ago mm-hmm. um what brought you into art what brought me into art I think I I think the cliche question would be like, I did it before I knew it or something. Uh, You know, I think I didn't know what it was to be an artist. I did not. Uh, I wanted to study bio. I had a really bad, I had a really uh, weird experience with like a physics professor that I was like, fuck, I have to go into science and now I can't. But also like, it was really tough. In many ways, and like in India, you have to decide after ninth or tenth grade what field you're gonna go into. So I actually went into accounting, 
Um, and I wanted to study art, but didn't know. And my father was like in India, like, how about you study graphic design because that will give you money. And I think I kind of thank him for that in some ways. Um, because like, as I didn't know what I needed or wanted at that time. And I think it gave me, it gave me, um, access to just like freelance work that's harder. Like I was in New York and I had like a very, I had a weird visa and I got it because I like did a lot of freelance graphic design and it was hard to get an artist visa or something. Um, and I had an artist visa, so it was just like that. And then I moved to Portland and I had more time. Um, so that's what really I started making it more. Like I had a studio in New York, but I was like making so much less and just working constant. So it was like not possible. And here I got into a residency. How long were you doing like graphic design before you got into art? Mm. Ooh. I have been doing graphic design since I was like 18, 19, 19, 20. Um, Yeah, like my first job as a freelancer was like when I was 17, I was making logo designs. I worked in a print shop and so then I worked in advertising agency. So yeah, like it's, I'm 40 now. So technically I've been doing it like just realized it <laughs> 20 to 18 20 years ago for now <laughs> do you you mentioned that you were grateful um for your father for kind of sort of like uh making you choose graphic mm-hmm. design um mm-hmm. for monetary reasons mm-hmm. the practicality of it for of your lifestyle um I'm I'm wondering, like, as someone like who is you know attached to an arts institution, who's constantly hearing, you know, about the the bifurcation and the battle between art and design. Like, do you feel like you land on one side or the other, um, in a way? <clears throat> no, dude. I feel like it's hard because I have a very hard time. Like, you know, I've taught graphic design. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time teaching graphic design, dude. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I love symbols. I love the way graphics work. I love playing with them. It's very hard for me to teach it in a more commercial way, not because I do not respect commercial, not because, yes, capitalism for sure, you know, but also because I feel like it has so many more, functions and values that I feel like Mm. are not personally in my experience I haven't and I have to admit like my fault also like I don't know where those gaps are like I haven't been able to like um, bring that like I can bring that only through art in my practice Mm. you know so I feel like I I struggle with it like in graphic design I was doing work that I didn't even know I was working on like ideas of colonization because I didn't have those professors in graphic design and it's now like people are really like thinking and it was like there were very few people so I feel like I found that in art yeah so I feel like it's hard for me to bifurcate because I never I was I was like I was really confused by the bifurcations I was like oh if I could have digital media classes and all these different photo classes I think like the graphic design practice can really like 
become richer, yeah. you know? Do you think that the bifurcation is, is forced structurally? You know, I think like, I don't know, I feel like it's hard because institutes place or define values of so many things. Mm -hmm. And I think like art's value is outside of a system, but it's such a lie too, because it cannot function without the system of institutions and museums, like, which is all actually advertising agencies for artists. Yeah. In some ways, at least that's what I feel. It's not like I'm shitting on every institute, but like in a large sense, sometimes like I feel like that, you know, I don't yeah. even know where I was going. I'm kind of like, <laughs> no. but you know. Um, no, but like on a macro level, it is kind of that. Yeah. So I think it's hard to navigate. It feels underpaid. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think at least people who have, I do, I have imposter syndrome and sometimes I also have to like add, like it's it's almost obsessive for me to keep adding layers. Mm -hmm. So like adding layers require more and more and more and more time um, that actually the institute is not paying you for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the value from that layer, I think, um, yeah. yeah. What do you... Um, I feel like what you do is also... Is it weird for me to ask questions? No, not at all. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like, for both of you, I feel like there is, like, such a graphic element in your work. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I have brought you and NTP for my graphic design students, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, if you remember, um, at Wu, I feel like... I think that's the thing, is, like, the individualistic practice is also helpful in graphic design. Like, what is your relationship with, like... I feel like you have... You both have a... You make stuff for NTP, you designed the booklet, like all of that inculcates design. Yeah. So what do you feel like your relationship is, both of yours? Well, I, th I think Max's relationship is very different than mine. So like mine, um, a lot of my arts background is pretty much self-taught mm -hmm. up until I came to Portland seven years ago for mm -hmm. graduate school. So there's kind of this um, built-in skepticism for me with graphic design um, and the structure of it and the way that you have to navigate that and kind totally. of label yourself and market totally. yourself. Yeah. So I have a lot of issues with it, but I also understand the power of graphic design. Exactly, I think that's fair, yeah. You really articulated it in a way that I couldn't even like begin to like form the language, so mm -hmm. thanks for doing that, yeah. For me, graphic design is I see it as <clears throat> I see it as like the dark arts I see it <laughs> I, see, I see graphic because I think art and a lot of artists I don't know if every artist but I think a lot of artists are like emotionally like manipulative like I think oh yeah we like take people on an emotional journey not like in a negative sense but I think that's like what an artwork does is like yeah. You, you give people an experience you want to invoke certain emotions from them mm -hmm. um, so I think that's like what artists do is like we're trying to like you know get feelings from people and I think that's what graphic designers do too mm -hmm. but they do it for like a brand yeah um, and that's like they they to me are like the Sith if like artists are like Jedi's and like graphic designers are like the Sith and it's like we're using the same language and we're using a lot of the same like moves and movements totally. but to very different like outcomes 
Yeah, and I think like at least in graphic design, I have a huge. I don't know. I struggle with citation. I feel like so much of design is just taken, mm. and like there's this fetishization about typography and curves and like this language that graphic design has built, but has built in so many forms and symbols of like so many cultures. Mm-hmm. It's not really so. It's like this weird space where they make, but they don't like. I think there is forms of like critique inside of graphic design, but not as like built in as it is in arts, you know? I feel like that. Um, citation, I feel like it's hard. It's easier with code. Mm. Like you can just put it in the code line who helped you. Yeah. But with like design, they're like taking people from all over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Citation is a problem with visual art, I think, <clears throat> in general. like. I think we're just now getting to addressing citation within written mm-hmm. forms yeah. and mediums, but it hasn't been addressed with like visual um, and design stuff. I have seen some. I have seen some people do like amazing citations. Really? Yeah. I mean, um, I feel like I attended a workshop in Weeksville that was about citation. I see. I feel like last book that I saw, Shreda and Alluvium, I love the way she cite- oh. did citation in visual art. Yeah. I think like different people do citations differently um, because you're all taking from somewhere, you know? Yeah. Mm. That's a struggle for me. Yeah, I think that's like a really interesting thing to think about like citation within visual art um, because you know, like, I feel like in so many ways, are like our eyes are, like, always open when we're, like, awake and we're, like, living through the world that, like, maybe when we look at, like, something we identify as art, it's easy to know, like, oh, I'm being inspired by this, mm-hmm. like, piece of art. But it's, like, if I'm walking down the street and I'm looking at, like, the fallen bricks of, like, a wall or, like, you know, like, you know, you're taking in so much information throughout the day and then... um you know, you're maybe you're not even thinking about that you're processing. And like, I'm lying. Yeah, like the visuals you see, and then maybe it's like weeks later, like um, you make a mark or you make a gesture totally. that's inspired by like a walk you took three weeks ago. Yeah. Um. So I mean, yeah, like I think like how I'm no because it sounds like it sounds like a fun idea to me is like how do you begin to like unravel like all the places you're pulling from, but like because I, I, I understand like you know if you're referencing an artist like that like feels more like linear and clear Mm -hmm. but if you're trying to start like unraveling where like you're pulling all your other like subconscious totally um, i think it's motivations from i think it's really interesting and i think that's like and also like an interesting activity to like even like give to like give to like a student or something it's like give me like a blurb about every every decision you made in this piece or something Mm, totally yeah, I think it's fascinating because I feel like so much of visual work also comes from reading. Mm-hmm. At least for me. I feel like a lot of my visual work will come from reading. I like read something or I saw a movie and I like thought about something else and then to follow your own directionality and just being like, oh, what did I think about? Um, I think it's really cool because, yeah I, yeah, I feel like we're talking to each other just in this weird unknown way. And, artists feel like they're just magicians and the work comes out of nowhere but I'm like "Mm, I don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) um 
this is like a question I have for you, and this is something I've been thinking about recently. Um, you know, with like working in video and like sampling a lot, or like mm-hmm. you know taking clips from stuff. Like, do you? What do you feel around that? And like, do you feel like there's like limits or like hard lines around that? Because sometimes, like, um, I've like been in conversations with other people about like you know editing like a video that already exists and then like or like you know taking a bunch of different video clips together and making it into like an art piece but then um what are like the lines like what is like if i just like was watching a tv show and then i just wanted to like remove one scene and then like put a scene from like a different show in it mm-hmm. does that like is that the show does that become like a different show it's like i guess like i guess that maybe the question is like what are the when it comes to like sampling and like remixing and like collaging because i see how it gets collaging a lot like are there any parameters to be like when something stops becoming like one person's art and stops becoming another person's art or is there like because i also like i don't know if i'm going on a tangent but now because i also yeah, make these of like fan fiction a little bit totally and, you know this jumping off point of somebody else one person's art but like feeding into somebody else's mm-hmm. art but like all the blurriness of it, especially if like especially yeah in regards to like video and um you know like how some people will make like a like a a different version of like star wars but it's still considered like star wars but is a that person's art or is it now just an edited version of star wars or something totally um that's a cool question i think it's hard because this is one of the first times i've made video that mostly I haven't shot or done on an individual level um a lot of it honestly was inspired by two artists uh Irela Thai actually mm. uh and they edited the videos um yeah and I think it was the work was made around the pandemic uh at least the collected the work was collected or the have been working on this piece for like at least this new one for like three two years so i've been just like ingesting media that i never would normally don't do so i feel like a lot of it came from that um so i feel like i think it's such so blurry because yeah it is other people's art but also it I think of art more as like narratives that you or the other person I understand copyright but don't own in some ways you know that's when it becomes so that's what I love about music Mm. I feel like music is such a form of art that it just asks you to be taken and consumed and be immersed in and you don't think about like you do think about who made it who and people make different things but i feel like yeah i don't i don't know how to answer that question or i'm fumbling with it to be honest um but i think it's the first time i've like approached it as other people's collaging you know because I've done collaging in the past and then I stopped it. And mm-hmm. I feel like that was part of it where I was like, oh, what does collaging mean as a practice? And I think I did that in a video. Um, but it just made sense for this project. And I don't know if I would do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was mostly that. And yeah, I think it's hard for me to even just like start thinking about that in terms of... Um,
like i felt like all of this media was given or like was presented in like so many different forms and i feel like it was also very jarring to like i just wanted to distill it so badly because to ingest so much of media around how people are shamed in their everyday by media was like a lot and i was like i just want to find it to be like not overwhelming but also like using it to like things i'm interested in you know i don't think it's the full art and i don't think it's fully my art because so many people worked on it as well oh. like it has a realist touch like the like in a way that i would have probably not made the video similarly if i didn't edit it like i think they added something at least in this new work that i'm grateful for you know um yeah Sorry, that was a long answer. No, and speaking of which, this is the the piece Bioscope that we've started kind of like mentioning, which is the the piece that Garima is showing for uh, Pika's TBA 2022, which um, is currently up, but probably by the time this episode comes out, will <laughs> TBA will be over. Um, but yeah, that's the piece uh, Bioscope, and um, yeah, Garima, I wonder if you could like tell us some more about it because it's also a mobile piece. Yeah. Is it weird to be like you? It's so hard. Like I'm having a hard time with describing it. I'm like, is it weird to like you saw it? How would you describe it? <laughs> um, no, I think so he was fine. ready for this question. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> now's your time to shine. Um, no, it's so hard to describe your own work, dude. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's kind of like a box. Um, that exists like on a street corner but there's like multiple metal like tubes that you can like sit down and you look inside the box and there's five it's like a i guess a five channel video sculpture um but it's painted and there's like text on the outside um and like multiple sides and then there's each of the five channels has their own audio channel as well so there's like five sets of headphones um, which is like cool and then it can feel like very like I've like sat and like watched each of the channels and it can feel very like I felt very like much like I was having my own private viewing which like was nice because it removed me from like the busyness of the street it was like cool because like the piece itself has like energy and then it's like sitting on the street which feels like energetic and there's like a lot of people but then when I'm like inside and like looking at it I felt very much like removed from that energy of the space and very much like able to like fall into the video um but then i also appreciate how the the sculpture itself isn't it's like big enough for the five channels but then there was like somebody else that was sitting next to me that there was like moments where we were like almost like touching or like brushing up against each other mm. which was like also this cool thing to know that there's this kind of like intimate experience but then somebody next to you is having like a similar one but then like on a different screen um, which was also a cool thing. So I felt like there's like a lot of different things that was going on um, as far as like the energy, but also like viewership, which is also something I've been like really interested in um, recently is um, the like the layers of viewership. So obviously there's like the people that are like watching, looking inside the tubes, but then there's people that are maybe like waiting their turn or just passing on the street because there were times where um, people were just like outside and curious about it and would like ask Garima about it and um, Garima like would tell them 
it's an art piece and blah 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 and like stuff like that. Um, but yeah, those those are some of my some of my views. But it definitely felt there was like it definitely felt like like a street um, vendor, street musician, not yeah, music musician, but magician um, vibes. Um, but there was something that felt like festive about it too, um, like the bright colors. But then there's like something that really like pulls you and like slows you down once you start engaging with the piece that I really enjoyed as well. Wow. So that's my two cents. That's like me, namaste. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, you, um, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a box, you know. Um, it's, an, um, it's a toy that I kind of like grew up around. So like when I was a kid, um, a bioscope wala, which is basically like wala is somebody who like it's like a gendered word but also like a word that's denotes like somebody who does something like um cotton wala paper wala means like somebody who's selling that material or doing that so like so he would just like a person would go around the colony that i lived in and would just like shout and you could like come as a kid and it was analog and there were just random photographs or posters of movies we only had one channel growing up i think i didn't have tv at the time i don't remember uh, i was young so there'd be like kids who would like be around it so i just i just digitized to that form um actually in one channel video and five channel audio um yeah the work each panel has a different uh, different graphic, you know. Uh, generally, they're, like, very symmetric, and I kind of wanted a different asymmetric sound. It has five different viewing experiences. Mm-hmm. You can sit, and um, you can also bend some. Like, it's been fun, like, watching, like, two strangers sit very close to each other and looking at a video to a lot of strangers um yeah i did i did i think i'm talked out i'm talked out i just did not think that it would be the case but it turned out to be the case um the work is around um a conceptual framework of shame in collective cultures um and the videos are taken from bollywood movies some performances i interviewed seven different people around the concepts of shame so they're experts of the interviews inside um like different generations like i talked to a student my mother an activist based in india and then a mother-daughter so it was just like different forms of conversation that get distilled um yeah i like it standing on the street i think of it more as like a vessel so like I think once I saw Ariella's edited video in it, I was like, ooh, it would be cool if artists could just like paint their own or give me give me instructions of how to paint it and then they can take it into their neighborhoods that they grew up in or something and show their own work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, ooh, that would be cool, but that's like just dreaming. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's mainly the work and it stays on streets and I would like it to move around. Um, this is version one. I just... I'm just glad it's finished, <laughs> at least for now. Yeah. So this this is a, an installation um, that you're doing um, in collaboration with PICA's TBA Time-Based Arts Festival. Mm-hmm. What was it like working with PICA with this project? 
Oh, you know. Uh, just like any relationship, like um, all the things. Okay. You know, like I think when we're working with people, communication is like you're saying red, the other person understanding blue, mm -hmm. you're saying blue, I think that. Um, I think I didn't have a lot of details about the project on my own, so like that communication, I had like one person working with me. So it's just been like a lot of mixed um, experience. Um, uh, yeah, uh, but I think overall I'm just like glad. All right, hot mic. Hot mic. Do you want to go? So, Garima. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely put that on record. <laughs> What's in store for your future projects and or visions? Mm. Do you want me to give you a professional answer or an answer that's like, I don't know, the, what the fuck am I doing? Answer. <laughs> I guess you already gave that one. <laughs> <laughs> mm, taking a minute, I feel like, um, I feel like pandemic has been a lot. I quit a full-time job. Um, I am waiting on another full-time job and um, it's been it's been a trip it's been a trip so I think um, the future visions personal would be I'm gonna go to India for a month month and a half I haven't been home in like three and a half years so I'm looking forward to that um, I think I want to figure out a way of how to find money to show people's work and just work with different people and not have to burn my soul mm. um yeah i think i'm very grateful to be here and be able to work with amazing and i have worked with like some amazing people yeah. that i feel like i want more of that in the future and want to find ways of like supporting each other and um yeah i think being an artist is a weird thing if you, you know um so some of that is the vision i think for bioscope i'm excited about if it ever rotates in people's neighborhoods and show their own work um yeah cool. and i want to have fun i want to have fun well that's kind of related to my next question yeah no, there's nothing. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's hard for me to have fun. It's like, I'm like, yeah. Are you having fun right now? I am having fun oh, okay. right now. That's why I'm like, oh yeah, you both are so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. Okay. Well, that, that's, that kind of brings me to my next question. I, I do feel that a lot of your work is kind of weaving all of these threads of like history, policy, um, like culture, um, geography like there are so many things coming into play with your work and I think that um you know a lot of times you're kind of tackling pretty complicated um things very complex subjects is there any art that you make that's like just for you just for fun I don't know if it's just for me yeah I paint I draw a lot of cats <laughs> I have a moleskine filled with cats <gasps> Um, and I love thinking about critters. I just love oh. making up critters. 
Um, if I would want, I would want the art to like have a lot of critters. I think I did part of it in the last show that I did with Shreela where I had fun. And I feel like we both are like grappling with things in our own way. And I feel like that project was like, that's... That project was pretty but, fun. Yeah, fun, but like also difficult. But I was like, oh, there were parts of it that was really fun. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of references, you know. Like I would have never made a hot sauce bottle label <laughs> for Rage Against the Bland Meat, you know. That hot sauce bottle um, is one of the main things on my shelf oh, in my living room. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it has the Victoria's Kohinoor in it and I didn't like in the back and it's camouflage and it's uh, I didn't even know when Shrita told me about Rage Against the Blend Meat, like when we came up with that mm-hmm. because I didn't have the reference of Rage Against the Machine and it became more funnier because when we started to design it we were like, oh, this is not the vibe. And then she was like, you know, and she mentioned it. And I was like, fuck, I didn't even know. And that's when I started looking at all the Rage Against the Machine stuff. Wow. And the Buddha one. And I was like, I want this to be like graphic. And then it just fully changed. Earlier I was like, yeah, you know, pink and like yellow. And just like, then I was like, nah, dude. <laughs> this is not that look today, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I feel like those are the moments when I'm like funny mm-hmm. and graphic design and just doing performance. I love doing performance in videos. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so in cats and I like making Legos and oh, I love cooking. I think that's fun for me. Yeah, Yoda. We have a princess Death Star. Oh. Yeah, it's like a weird uh, Legos that I ordered from China. Which is like a princess dome and then that star in the middle, it's a globe. Um, <laughs> it's called Princess Star. You gotta see it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. That looks super cool. Yeah. What do you do for fun? Uh, I watch a lot of terrible television. Oh, I do too. Makes me happy. Yeah, it makes me happy. I particularly like the genre where white people are embarrassing themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm. It fills yeah. me with joy. Yeah. It does. I, I was on a trip with some friends and I'd never seen this show. It's called White Girls, I think, or something. Movie? Maybe, no, it's the movie or something. Yeah. And I saw it for the first time and I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? I was really like, what the fuck? And they were also like, they're like, they also love like trashy. I mean, Three, and they also were like, "This is my jam." So you just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. Have you seen? Um, have either of you seen? Uh, it's a new Eric Andre movie called Bad Trip or Bad Day. No, Bad not Trip. yet. No. I haven't seen it yet. But um, it's kind of like Borat. You know, it's like a hidden camera prank mm. show, but they like craft a narrative through it. And Tiffany Haddish is in it. Um, oh wow! And then um, like was that true much. about the 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 crazy stuff? Do you remember, like, a week ago, Tiffany Haddish? No, I'm, Tiffany Haddish was in the news, and yes, she's being sued. Is that true? Yeah, is that I saw that. That skit happened. Like, that's oh, on the record. Oh, no, I, 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 had no yeah. I was like, there's no way that's real. It's true. It's real. Oh, it's unfortunate. That actually happened? Yeah. I heard that. I was like, there's oh, no way I only read the news, and I was like, I don't know about I didn't this. read. I didn't want to read any of the details, because I heard it was pretty bad. Uh, but yeah. But there's this movie that <laughs> she's also... Oh, that really but, sucks, because I love Tiffany Yeah. Haddish. But then um, they do a segment in the movie where uh, they like recreate white girls. And, uh, <laughs> what? Uh, Eric Andre and I think Lorel are both 
Sean and Marlon Wayans. I love Lil Rel. And they go to like some Republican thing, and then they're just like disgusted by them. It's so funny. You have to check that one. I have to see this. No, I have to see this. Eric Andre is hilarious. You gotta respect someone who's not afraid to like embarrass themselves. Like get beat up. Yeah, and that's like so important to being funny Mm -hmm. because you can't be that sensitive because you know people are coming for you (laughs) when you're making that many jokes as well. You know. Yeah. (laughs) You can't escape that. (laughs) Yeah. What do you do for fun? What do I do for? I also watch Trash Bollywood. Like, that is my thing sometimes. Like, I just need to do that. Yeah. To see, like, this is this is where my shame lies. Um, <laughs> totes. Um, I do like cooking. I do that for fun. And you're an amazing cook. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, and, you know. Sorry. I, I like food. <laughs> sometimes I enjoy smoking weed. That's oh. fun. Um, and... Yeah, doing cat drawings uh, is a thing. And what do I do for fun? I do watch movies and um, I do love going to the river. Mm. I haven't this summer and I think that's a big bummer. Um, Where do you go? I go to the Sandy Mm. and then I've gone to the Washubo and I do love going to the river. That's a fun thing. Yeah, Washubo's on that. I've never been. You both... Were you there? You were at Palaya. Yeah. You were at Palaya. Yeah. I went, went to the hot springs. I went to the hot springs I for the first am time. I hot springs slut. It's amazing. It is I insane. understand what people were hyping I'm up I'm telling now. you. <laughs> I'm telling you. I was converted. Like, it was better mm-hmm. than, like, smoking weed for a whole day. I know. I Smoke am converted. Smoke weed at hot springs. It converted. <laughs> I am, con- yeah. The hot spring was a thing. Yeah. That yeah. I am, like, I will follow you. You know? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Same. Yeah. The first time I did hot springs was like after moving to Portland. Yeah. And I had no idea like my bones could be warm. <laughs> I know. I, like, I fe- that's such are, a well. Yeah. yeah it's well. like you're like you know. I think it's in. It's like you're like a butter toast, like warm butter toast with like honey. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like so good. I imagine so, like what it would be like if you did that on like a cold night. Yeah. No, doing it cold, doing it on cold days are the best. I I'm, yeah, like I can't imagine. I know I have done it in winter one time, uh, and I did it the first time. One of my ex partners showed them to me the first time, and I was just like, "Holy motherfucking god of soul" or whatever. Yeah. Just like this is a thing. And it's like imagine like you being like new humans and finding it randomly and being like, "What the fuck is this?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty amazing. This is um random. Maybe it's not random. It's like tangential. Um, because you're talking about, like new humans. I remember like I was like reading or like listening to thing recently where um, like the very early days of like domesticating grain, mm-hmm. like humans were just taking like wild grain and would like soak it and then would just like lay it on like rocks and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like have it dry and stuff like that. Then like they would eventually eat it and like that was like one of the very first like steps of us like domesticating grain and like wheat and like making bread was just like taking like the whatever it is like the seeds of the grain itself and but it's like making like you know like how they make paper with like screens it seems like that's what they're doing but they weren't able to like bake it they just like mushed it and then dried it on a rock (laughs) Mm. 
Oh, that's and here crazy. we are now. <laughs> and here we are now. Damn. You can get that's wild. Crustless bread. Yeah. I just love how much. Like I think that's one thing I do for fun is just like getting lost, looking at infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I'm just like every day I'm amazed. Like literally every day when I like look out the window and I'm like, you all figured this shit out and at terrible cost mm. and being like you like what we just live in this city and you just all figured like this shit was built it's weird to think about yeah yeah it used to just be all woods and valleys and stuff yeah all right my uh, last question for you um you mentioned earlier that you like to share food and snacks mm-hmm. so i'm curious about what your f- this is like actually written down here so <laughs> Melanie's. What? <laughs> Make me look bad. Um, so I'm curious, what are your favorite foods and snacks? And also, like, what are your favorite foods and snacks to share? And if they're different? Mm. It depends on the mood. It's like if I'm calling people over for dinner. Um, I love making just dal and rice and um, vegetables and uh some days i'm like festivity elaborate sharing and that day i'm like goat meat Mm. and some fried bread that i love called puri Mm. um on an everyday basis you know trader joe's (laughs) i i wish i was like my mom who could make snacks at home um but trader joe's um and some um indian snacks that i love like cake rusk and um some spicy snacks um, but I do love sharing food. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. And I love that about you. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the areas me and Melanie uh, agree is usually food. Yes. I love food. All right. So I guess my final question is what art are you getting into these days? What art I'm getting into these days? You know, I have been working on the bioscope non-stop for three fucking ass months. Jeez. Um, so that was like your whole summer, basically. Pretty much. Like, I quit my job. I was about to move to New Orleans. And I didn't move. Um, and August happened. Actually, yeah, like two and a half straight months. Um, but I think I'm thinking about the kind of art I would like to get into. More like form. I think my concepts will still similar about narratives and all these things I think I want to definitely explore more coding and 3D blending Mm. I feel like it's like a fun place for me to like go further and explore that Um, it yeah I think it like and like somehow find it with like I like just mixing like printing coding all of these things I want to find a way to like bridge them together or something yeah yeah i think that's of more more form based than like concept based i'm thinking nice yeah <coughs> wow we did it yeah Party we work. did it all right so I, that is it for our return episode thank you y'all. are we are we inserting segments later um okay well no let's let's do our segments Okay. Um, so, first up, uh, Celie's glass of water, um, which is a special gift for those who are doing the most with the absolute least. I'm going to keep mine brief 
Um, this one goes out to Jimmy Kimmel for the stunt he pulled at the Emmys last night. Like, I don't watch a show. I don't like him. I don't know him. I didn't even watch the Emmys because the Emmys is trash and a scam. That's another conversation. But what I did see was a bunch of fucking photos of him lying down on the fucking stage while Quinta Brunson was giving her acceptance speech. Now, if it isn't completely on brand for this random ass white man to insert himself into the middle of a historical moment um, for this award show, I don't know what else is. Like, wow. it's fucking ridiculous. The fact that he felt okay to do this, the fact that they let him do this. And he stayed there. Oh my God. I didn't even know about this. Now I have to go see. That sounds, yeah. wow. Okay. 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 <laughs> Thankfully, black Twitter being what they are, found a way to Photoshop his ass out of the photo. Oh, wow. Thank God. But the fact that Quinta had to stand there while he was literally lying on the fucking stage underneath her just pisses me off. The optics are terrible. Um, again, the fact that they let him do this and that he felt that he was entitled to do this is just... It breaks my brain, and I'm just, I'm sick of it. I don't have the energy to even be angry at it. This is why I think the Emmys is trash. But congratulations to Quinta Brunson and Cheryl Lee Ralph, who has been an amazing actor since before I was born. And, and she's finally getting her flowers. But fuck Jimmy Kimmel. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Fuck Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> <laughs> Old Mr. Talking Trash About Shug. Folks don't like nobody being too proud or too free. Does the Celia's got a photo come from the color purple? Yeah. Okay. Should I explain Celia's? No, I okay. wanted to know. Okay. Because I was like, am I thinking the right thing? Because I love that book. Yeah. And I love when she puts okay. spit in his So you know. So, yeah. Okay. And I was like, am I reading this right or not? <laughs> you, you got it all. Okay. Cool. You got cool, all cool, cool. <laughs> And now it's time for Just the Facts with Max. I'm facts, 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 facts. Dory Miller is the first enlisted sailor or black American to ever have an aircraft carrier named after him. Dory Miller was also played by Cuba Gooding Jr. in the 2001 Michael Bay film Pearl Harbor. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. Wow, that was quite a tidbit. Thank you, Max. No problem. <laughs> I love to I love to share knowledge. Yeah. All right, so now it is time for our parting words. Um, I'll go first. Um, thank you all um, listeners for bearing with us during our three month break. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that long. <laughs> we no, we needed the time to rest and recuperate. Life is happening. Things are happening. Um, some good, some bad, and we just we needed to take a little break. But we're back, um, and we're back in style. So um, I'd like to thank Arima for being here. Thank um, you. I'm so grateful. We're grateful too. I always enjoy talking to you. Uh, me too. So, and as always, thank you, Max, for being. Such a great podcast partner um, and partner totally in they are. arts. So, yeah. Thank you, Melanie. Um, my parting words, um, shout out all of our listeners. Thank you to everybody that's been there since episode one. Um, thank you so much to my co-host, the amazing, the incomparable Melanie Stevens. Oh, my God. 
Molly Stevens also has an exhibition out right oh, now. Up until October seventeenth. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, hell yeah. At PNCA, um, Google the address, go check it out. Melly Stevens Watershed Volume One and Volume Two are available for purchase. Volume Zero is coming out soon. Um, Melly Stevens amazing. And it's also uh, chair of foundations now and also um, my boss. find them on etsy find them on etsy yeah find melanie everywhere um thank you melanie and then um so many thank yous to to our guest karima thank you so much for for coming thank Thank you you for hanging out with us um for being our first uh guest in our new space um for being so generous and um to melanie's point I always see you and I always want to talk to you more. Mm-hmm. And um, I really appreciate you and the things you do and the art you make. And it's been really cool um, to be able to talk to you. So I really appreciate that. And um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much both. Like, it's been amazing working with you over years. And just every time I'm like bumping into Melanie, I'm like, yeah, I want to talk. <laughs> um, and we just, you know, eat snacks. And it's amazing. And I always <laughs> want to talk more. And I deeply grateful for the work you do appreciate it it's been fun printing with you just working with you and in general just you know just seeing your words i think when i saw the book um the net turner edward abbey one Mm. and i saw your preface i was like thank you Um, i appreciate it so thank you both for making all the things happen yeah they have a new really cool (laughs) studio by the way and yeah it's it's happening it's forever happening mm-hmm. or we get studio we get we get yeah we get studio <laughs> good night y'all good night y'all